Hello there. I'm just after getting off the phone with Daniel Kinahan. Uh, he's just informed me that the biggest fight in British boxing history has just been agreed. Get up there, my boy! Uh, big shout out, Dan. He got this done. Um, literally over the line. Two fight deal. Uh, Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua um, next year. One problem. I've just got to smash Deontay Wilder's face right in in the next fight. Um, and then we go into the Joshua fight next year. So there we are. The Gypsy King versus AJ is on for next year, but there's a hurdle in the road called the Bronze Bomber, aka the Knockout King, and I will get onto him and knock him spark out, and then we got on to the big fight. So big thank you, Dan, for getting this deal over the line. All the best. God bless you all. See you soon. Peace out. Welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where MTK are no more. <laughs> wow. Um, listen, you can't go up against the state. Man. You cannot go up against the machine and expect to win. I don't care what your reputation is in what street. Like when the government comes for you, it's just a matter of time, man. This, this is what happens when a load of thickos with three GCSEs between them try and take on national governments. It just doesn't work. And I'm always, I'm always going to preface this by saying, I don't even feel sorry for Daniel Kinahan. So I don't think Daniel Kinahan's the bad guy in this particular story. Now, there's, a, there's an Irish drug story where he might be the bad guy in that. But in terms of this, this boxing thing going tits up, he's not the bad guy in this. Why? Because he saw a bunch of fucking bitches and desperate little rats that just wanted to be associated with a serious guy. He saw that and he said, I'm just going to make you lot my bitches. And what did he do? He made them his bitches. And this isn't new talk, by the way. This is not new talk. He, he walked into boxing on his own terms. He walked into boxing on his own terms. And he's seemingly going to leave boxing kind of on his own terms. But look at the damage that's been left behind. But look, let's, let's deal in, yeah, we always got to start with the facts, right? So today, MTK issued a statement. Well, let's be precise here. MTK Global issued a statement. And in that statement, they said, they will be ceasing trading or ceasing business operations as of the end of this month, April. Okay. Now, why would you cease operations because a person you said hasn't been involved with the organization since 2017 is under U.S. sanctions? I think five years is enough clear water between the entity and the individual concerned that there should be no suspicion. But if promoters are refusing to work with you, then they know something. If broadcasters are refusing to work with you, then they know something. But the deeper question is, did they not know this before? So think about what they're saying. Think about what your broadcasters are saying. Think about what your promoters are saying. They're not saying, we're not dealing with MTK because we don't endorse money laundering, drug trafficking, and stuff like that. No, they're saying, 
we don't want to upset the American Treasury. Essentially, is what they're saying. We don't want to upset national governments. That's why we're not working with you. And that tells you exactly how amoral the sport actually is. Absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. You know, we're all looking, going, look, Sky, your lead color commentator is wrapped up in this. And he hasn't come out once, hasn't issued a statement, hasn't said anything. And no one has said to Sky, how is he still working there? No one has said a single thing about this. How is the guy whose name was on the damn logo, how is he not being asked questions? How is Coogan not being asked questions? Yeah, you can take stuff off your bio and pretend that you're not affiliated. There are too many videos for you to clean up. Coogan's an MTK creation, and if he's not an MTK creation, why on earth was the Uma Ahmed Liverpool tweets thing resolved in Dubai? Why was it phone calls from Liverpool to Dubai and from young Umar's place to Dubai? It never got resolved here. Why is an IFL matter being solved by people affiliated to MTK? No one's ever asked that question. No one's ever answered it. It leaves a bad taste in the mouth. And he's not the only one. There were all other people taking you know, a bit of change here and a bit of change there so they could do their little interviews. And it was all good PR for the brand. And it was. It was good PR for the brand. But no one did their due diligence. YouTube said, yeah, yeah, MTK, by all means, man, jump on here. No one said, ah, your owner's a bit fishy. We're a global company. This isn't what we want. Just take a second, right? Everyone listening to this is a boxing fan. Take a second and think. We lived through Lance Armstrong being found guilty of running a conspiracy to, to cheat in the Tour de France. And some people hate it, but some people understand what Lance was doing because he wasn't the only one. You can sympathize with him, but that scandal was huge. The fact that <laughs> the United States Treasury, in conjunction with other state agencies and other international governments, have been able to shut down one of the biggest promoters, definitely one of the biggest management companies in boxing, the biggest brand in boxing, not called Matchroom, easily. One of the most recognizable logos in the sport. This is a massive sporting scandal right now. And we haven't even delved any deeper. We haven't asked the questions of people. Do you remember the, the fake news hashtag? And all of those guys was Derry Matthews, Anthony Fowler, Lee McGregor. Um, Conrad Cummings was involved in this I'm sure Frampton was involved Coogan was involved Lee Eaton was involved These are tentacles Who told them to, to do this Because These aren't things you'd normally do I've never seen a management company do this before We're going to boycott the Irish media Because of how they portray Daniel Kinahan Who supposedly isn't really involved in the company Okay, then. Take a second and think. We haven't even scratched the surface of this fucking mess. We have not scratched the surface of this mess. Like, the rats may be leaving the Titanic. These rats like Bob Yalen, rat, 
All of these guys that did it. Coogan's a rat for what he did. And I'll say this to his face when I see him. That's the most ratish behavior. You rode that MTK wave high profile right at the front of your videos. And when the pressure came, you're like, well, I'm just going to pretend I've got nothing to do with them. Too fucking late. Too late. This is what you wanted. You wanted to, you wanted to play with the big boys, right? This is what you wanted, all of you. You, know, you see Sam Jones with his desperate Dan Jaw out there talking recklessly. Yeah, I'm backed by Probellum. They're coming next for Probellum. Nothing. You, they genuinely think this is just about the thing. This is about contagion. Right? The authorities are going to crush everything. If you ask me, right, I'm going to strip this down into stuff that I understand. When you do an investigation into guys at this level, you're hoping someone turns. And you're not going to get the guys at the top to turn. They make too much money and they've insulated themselves from a lot of the consequences, right? So you go, okay, let's start with this guy. And they'll find someone who's disaffected with MTK. And they'll go, look, it's finished now. We've got these guys on the run. Tell us what you know. And what they'll do is they'll go from person to person to person. And these guys are going to rat. All of these people who try to portray themselves as tough guys are going to rat. You know, Sam Jones is going to rat when the pressure comes on. Coogan's going to rat. Lee might rat. A lot of these guys are going to rat when the pressure comes on. And they'll slowly start building a picture of how this whole thing worked. And you're going to see tentacles all across the country. Up in Scotland where the promoters were doing their thing. Yorkshire where promoters were doing their thing. The Northwest, the Northeast, Wales, the West Country. You're going to start to see that all of these tentacles everywhere. There were guys getting a few quid here. Yeah, you need help with your show? Cool. You know, we'll put some money up. Give us a bit of the ticket money and we're good. You know, a, a number of boxes. We'll give you a bit of work on consignment. You sell this, give us this much back, you keep that. They're going to find these boxes. They already know. The United States Treasury doesn't make these decisions without evidence that it can stand behind. Even if they fabricated it, it's evidence they can stand behind and that's compelling. They already know how MTK work. There'd have been surveillance on this stuff already. And, what they, and so they don't make a lot of noise because they'll just come after people individually. So if you were receiving that MTK money, you're going to have to account for it. Which account did this come from? Which account did it go to? If your company was getting MTK money and you weren't declaring that to company's house, you're going to get a knock as well. And what's going to happen? Mate, you owe taxes. You're going to go to jail for tax evasion. Uh, I'll tell you what I know. A lot of people are going to rat. That's the sad part about all of this. You see, I'm not saying Kinahan gave people money out the goodness of his heart. He, he gave money because he needed to make money back. But these people took that money and they posed in the pictures with him and they showed him love and they said, oh my God, isn't this guy a great human being? But they're going to rat on him. That's why I feel sorry for him, that these people, he put money in their pockets. He did. And they didn't deserve it because a lot of these people are mediocre. They're mediocre and they should never have been in boxing because boxing was sustaining a lot of people that didn't deserve to be in there. You don't believe me? Look at this shambles that was Fury White today, that press conference. What an absolute shambles. And you've had all these MTK shows up and down. And look, someone at some point is going to say, yo, T, you commentated on an MTK show. You might be implicated in this. 
If only they'd paid me, man. I wish they'd paid me for that. But all of that stuff, you got Danny Connor, the little weasel coming out, you know, like he's an expert now in, in international narcotics trafficking. We ain't done nothing wrong. He ain't been charged with nothing. Danny just needs to worry about Richard Williams, whatever his name is, the, the guy, Richard Harrison, the guy that just punched him in the face. Danny needs to watch his back in that sense. I, don't, I didn't see any, any protection coming through then. I didn't see them helping him out when he got his, his jaw punched and his helmet punched off. It's an absolute mess, guys. It is, it's, it's a mess because there are so many uncomfortable questions for people. Adam Smith of Sky's head of boxing, what did he know about MTK? He's going to have to sit there with the top, with the top brass at Comcast and they're going to ask him a question. What is our potential exposure to the fallout of this Kinahan thing? And he's going to say, um, well, we've got, you know, <laughs> MTK is Mac the Knife. We have Mac commentating for us. And someone at Comcast is going to go, one of our commentators is involved in a promotional entity called Mac the Knife, which is also linked to an Irish gangster who is not liberal when it comes to the administration of violence. You know, when you start to look at things like this and you go, God, this is an absolute mess. Then you've got to go over to Eddie Hearn and say, so your dealings with MTK, your business had no rules about dealing with people who had suspicious links to these sorts of entities. So what are your rules of doing business? Who will you not do business with, Mr. Hearn? Because remember in the media, what Eddie said was, to get the Fury fight made, we had to deal with Daniel Kinahan. And when the pressure got on top, they transferred everything to Bob Arum. Like, like, and they take fans for idiots, don't they? They take fans for absolute idiots. <laughs> well, you, that's just how it changed. Like, you know, ah, oh, Jesus, I, I have no idea. Like, let's start asking some of these. Let's start asking these questions in the media. Who financed Ty, Tyson Fury in his wilderness years? Who financed the comeback? Because, look, that, that wasn't money you earned, my friend. Who financed that? These sorts of questions need to come up. Who financed that? And how was it repaid? How much money did Kinahan put into MGM as it was back then in MTK? Where did Sandra Vaughan get the money to buy MTK? Does she still own it? Who did she sell it to? What's happened with that? Her and Danny Vaughan, what's happened here? Why are people not knocking on their door saying, mate, what are your connections here? Let's get some phone records. You know, let's see what really happened. This is where they're going to come because they're going to have to get some of the lower level people to turn and just become rats. And a lot of these guys will become rats. I will respect anyone who sinks with this ship. If Billy Joe says, I wouldn't be here without MTK, so I'm riding till the wheels fall off, I will respect that. I may not agree with it, but I'll respect it. But where does he go now? Where do all of these young fighters go? A lot of these guys, their careers are done. Careers are done. No one's going to really pick up the slack. You're going to cherry pick the good stuff. You know, they might be slick and try and move a lot of the top tier uh, MTK guys to Probellum. But I don't see Probellum getting away from this because the connections, the connections are too real. Because when I look at these things, I, I, I look at them with like a quasi-law head on, right? And I ask myself, if we focus on ownership, we lose the real story here. The real story is about who was the controlling mind of MTK. 
I don't care who owned it. I don't care how much money they... Who was the controlling mind of MTK? Who made decisions about the important things? And it looks like it was Mr. Kinahan, right? He made the unification between Taylor and Ramirez. He was on the way to making the unification between Joshua and Fury. That tells me this man is the controlling mind. When I see every boxer worth his salt in a photograph with him, it tells me he is the controlling mind. I do not care what he owns. I don't care how arms up, how arms length he keeps his relationships. I don't care. He's the controlling mind and people understood him as such. Now, if you can demonstrate that with Probellum, which I think you can, there are too many coincidences for this not to be the case. I don't think Probellum can go on either. Like, they can't get TV dates as things stand. So, that's a real problem. Now, as I keep saying, does Richard Schaefer want the DOJ knocking on his door? Does he want the Treasury looking into his affairs? No. No one does. This is why this is such a mess. Because there are two elements of this. Like, as boxing fans, there are two real elements we need to zero in on. One the 140, 150 fighters that MTK have under management. And remember, they've got MTK Africa, MTK here, MTK there, all of this stuff. And in the statement, it wasn't clear whether the brand is dead. They said MTK, MTK Global is done. But they said the gyms will carry on. So my question becomes, who's financing the gyms? Who provided the seed capital for those gyms? Can those gyms carry on if they were funded by dubious means? Probably not. Could they, could they set up a completely different entity and say, right, we're taking... These, they just need to stop. Whatever this hustle is, this idea that you can run money through boxing and take it out the other end is clean money. It has to stop. There are too many eyes watching. You know, I had a friend and he got sentenced to... I think he got sentenced to 12 years, right? I want to tell you the story. He was involved in narcotics. Right? He was involved in the drug game. And I think his friend got arrested. And so he thought, right, I need to get to his house to get the work. Because, you know I mean, business has to carry on. Now, he knocked on the wrong door. Right? He knocked on the neighbor's door instead of the door he was looking for. Right? Now, once you make a mistake like that, you should know the mission's over. At that point, the mission is done. Yeah, If that's me and I knock on someone's door by mistake, I'm like, hey, whatever I was thinking of doing, I can't do now because this person now knows what I look like and knows who I am. But no, he didn't. He went straight over there, broke in or whatever it is, to get what he needed to get. And what happened? The neighbor said, yeah, this is what he looked like. Yeah, this is what he did. I saw him do it. And I'm saying in terms of MTK, the gig's done. Like, if you've got another creative way to make money, maybe you're passing hardware wallets with Bitcoin on them, and that's how you're doing your business. Fair play. If, if, if that's how you're making the money now, may, may God be with you. But you ain't going to make it in boxing anymore. Because all eyes are on boxing. Any big move. After this fight with Fury, there are going to be some uncomfortable questions. How much does Fury get of the $41 million? Uh, what was it? $32 million he was getting? How much of that does Fury actually get to see? The tax man will be interested. 
the taxman will look into that. The taxman will look into everything regarding this fight now. And that's not the attention you want in boxing. They're going to get people to turn and they're going to get people to rat. Now, the problem you have when MTK became so big and so pervasive is when this brown stuff hit the fan, everyone's got a story to tell. Because no one's going to go to jail for the sake of boxing. Or you think those IFL dudes are going to go to, to jail, what, for, for holding a camera and a microphone and beefing with Prince Patel? You ain't going to jail for that. So, poor Mr. Kinahan's isolated. And once again, I feel sorry for this guy. Because it's not like he was ripping those people off. And like I said, I need to keep this separate. There's, a, there's an Irish drug issue that people need to clamp down on. And whoever's guilty of that, mate, please put them in jail. But there's this Kinahan and boxing thing. And want to zero in on this. He gave people money. And those people have a duty to keep their mouths shut. But they don't have the fortitude and the character to do so. So as we watch MTK wither and die, you're going to see Probellum wither and die. And you're going to see that scramble for talent now. Every, if I'm a boxer and I've got two brain cells to rub together, right now I'm trying to get out of Probellum. I'm saying I'm cancelling my contract. There's, there's too many links to narco-terrorism here or whatever. We ain't trying to do this. That's what I'd be doing right now if I was advising a fire say, get out of that contract. If you're McCormick, get out of that contract. If you're Prograde, get out of that contract. Because look at all of these guys that were in Dubai, Crawford, Prograde. A lot of these guys were in there and they've got questions to answer. I don't know if anyone saw the Fury interview where they were trying to ask about Kinahan. And he, and he was trying to make out like, like somehow he, he's completely separate from this. Tyson Fury was the crown jewel in this whole operation. I don't care how many small hall shows you run. You can run more money through the heavyweight champion of the world than you can through anything else. You know, are we ever going to get to the bottom of who sorted out the, the legal ramifications of failing a test for Nandrolone and refusing to submit to a subsequent test? Who paid for all of that? Who sorted all of that out? What favors were called in for that? Are we ever going to get to the bottom of how Fury got to fight Vladimir Klitschko and Sky? Who had a word when Eddie Hearn was exclusive at Sky? All of, these th all of these things point to the fact that there's a deep rot in the sport of boxing. And all it will take is a year or two of real investigation by a government body with access to all of this information. And they'll have to regulate. Because if you look at what's happening now, the, the Department of Culture, Media and Sport are now saying... It's not our business to tell governing bodies how to regulate. Someone has to tell the British board how to regulate. We still haven't had a statement from the board. I don't think the board really know the ramifications of what's happening now. How many license holders are implicated in the MTK boxing scenario? How many license holders are implicated in the wider narcotics discussion? How many license holders are on the police radar? How many license holders are under investigation? They haven't done this assessment, and they should. And it goes to show we don't have a fit, fit and proper test. As I said it in the previous episode, there should be no criminals involved in boxing. None. And don't feed me that nonsense about, oh, rehabilitation. Nah. Once you're out, you're out. Simple as that. It's, man, what an absolute mess. 
And now think how uncomfortable this is going to be for boxing's golden boy, Anthony Joshua. So Joshua, you can check this on company's house. Joshua has a company called 258 Properties. And the previous name for that company was MTK Properties. Now, is that just a naming coincidence? Was he having fun? Was he having a laugh? There's a possibility of that. Is there a possibility of something more sinister? Maybe. But you imagine someone's going to investigate that and say, so Anthony Joshua, what's this all about? Is this all just your money? And if it's not just your money, who else put money in here? And why did they put money in? All of these things are important now. Is this the reason why certain boxers can move in certain areas untouched and unbothered because of those sorts of connections? It gets murky, doesn't it? But we have to see where this goes. A lot of it won't be made public because I imagine the authorities will just want people to turn and the gift they will be given is one of anonymity. We won't mention your business and your affairs if you just agree to turn. And a lot of people will turn because they're not going to jail over this. It's just boxing. But this is an absolute mess. If you're an MTK fighter right now, I don't know who's still contracted to them. Um, if you're O'Hara Davis, if you're Tyrone McKenna, you're now looking at it like, what the hell do I do? You know, we've never asked questions about the golden contract. What was in that golden contract? Was that just a way to, to pay someone and take the money on the back end? What was in the golden contract? All of these things are important. You know, and do I feel sorry for, so for the people who were lauding it, feeling super proud and, you know, I've got the backing of this guy till the cows come home, I can do and say what I want. Do I feel sorry for those guys? No. They're all going to have to account for why they were in the photographs. They're all going to have to account for why they were under instructions to send horrible tweets about certain people involved in boxing. And it comes back to this point here. The real winner in all of this is Barry McGuigan. We all need to just clap it up for Barry McGuigan. I'm going to give you guys five seconds to just clap it up for Barry McGuigan. For all of his sins, he was the one guy that stood up to this before anyone else did. Just stood up to it. And said, I'm not afraid to say what I think. Even after the character assassinations that people were firing down via Twitter, Barry held his ground. And now we've got to look at Barry McGuigan and go, yeah, for all your sins, this is kind of what you pulled out. Because the guys that left Barry, look at them, all went straight to MTK. And we've never really got into the business arrangements around that. What actually happened there? This is a story that is going to make a hell of a book one day. When everyone's prepared to talk. This is going to make a hell of a book one day. Maybe even a hell of a film. But for now, let's see how this plays out. Hopefully, we get to the bottom of a lot of this pretty quickly. Um, but I, it, it's a house of cards at the moment. Probellum may think they're still standing, but Jesus, for how much longer? Uh, I think it's all done. All that stuff is done. And if I was managed by either one of those two entities right now, I'd be looking for my parachute and I'd be getting the hell out of Dodge. And, you know, as much as I want to be one of the voices that's going to talk about this because we, we like to go beyond boxing, I also have to shout out um, the Enswell, poll, uh, Enswell pod team. Like, they've probably done more work on this than I have. And, like, they, they, they see the linkages and they know the right questions to ask. So hopefully they'll do an episode on this as well and you'll get both sides because I think there's some really interesting ideas around 
how the belts have been moved between certain fighters in certain situations and maybe it will help to explain some strange judging decisions and how other people seem to have got looked after because it seems MTK have that kind of influence because do you remember there was a time when they were palling up with top rank they were pally pally with top rank and maybe things were decided that actually the belt can go here for now and then we'll hand it back and then you can do this and you can do that it wouldn't surprise me if you know, these kinds of paths of succession had been laid out. I I still stand by this idea that there's MTK money in places like Latin America. We just don't know about it. You know, I, I refuse to believe that Mexican boxing is thriving now because it's, it's in the middle of a thriving economy. That's just my suspicion. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably park the MTK stuff then until we get another major development. But yeah, it's a, it's an absolute black eye for boxing. It's an embarrassment. Like, you know, you walk into these amateur gyms and you see the kids put all the sacrifice in and you go, it really is just lions led by lambs, unfortunately. And here's the irony, man. I only really wanted to record today about the, the Fury-Dillian White fight week because it's been abysmal. That's really what I wanted to talk about. I've, I've been bitterly disappointed by this. Fury hasn't done anything new. You still get the, the garish suits. It's all a bit silly now. The shirtless look. Um, it looks like they were trying to play psychological chess. Dillian must have thought Fury was going to come out all guns blazing. So Dillian thought, I'm going to give nothing away. I'm not going to react to anything. Fury then flipped it around and actually was very respectful. And as much as Dillian didn't want to break, he eventually broke. When Fury made the, job, the joke about sleeping together, Dillian couldn't help himself. And I said, ah, there you go. Fury knows he's got him now. Like, there are little moments in psychology where once you get someone to break that way and then the demeanor relaxes, one of two things is true. You've either broken him psychologically or you're both in on it together. Even at the end when you had the skirmishes and you had, I think, Dean White on one side, John Fury on the other, and some guys who look like, if this really goes off, because there were a few Brixton boys there and a few travellers, like if that had gone off, that would have been pretty serious. And watching how they sort of calmed it down in a measured way, you, you're looking at this going, has Fury got the psychological upper hand? Because we're seeing a more statesman-like Dillian this time. Now, that could just be preparing for becoming champion, by all means. But it's strange to see, and I'm hoping it's not a a sign of nerves or, you know, the occasions finally dawned on him. Because for Dillian, this is a massive fight. He built up a lot of fans because of that injustice that he was able to share with the world. And it was an injustice, the fact that he had to wait so long to, to be mandatory and to fight for the belt, 100%. But now that you've got this opportunity, you can't mess it up because you're not going to go from number three to number four. You're going to go from number three to like number nine or ten. That's the harsh reality of boxing. You don't just slip one or two places. You're going to go all the way down and have to rebuild from there. Do you want to be rebuilding in your early 30s? I don't know. So there's a lot riding on this for Dillian. It, for Fury, yeah, there is. If you lose to Dillian, it's not a great look. For fans, it'd be fantastic for the division. And so these guys are at different places. Fury knows the best version of him beats Dillian. And Dillian goes, if Fury slips for one second, I can get him. And that's going to be that interesting nip and tuck. Does Fury go safety first? Or does he go like he did in the Wilder fight and go, hmm, I'm here to take you out? 
but I actually think in this whole fight, when you really, when you really break it down, it's going to come down to this. What velocity have you trained for in camp? If Fury's trained for 250 effective moves per round and Dillian's trained for 200 or vice versa, do you see what I mean? You're, you'll be doing 10 rounds of work in eight if the other guy can set his agenda. And so those last two rounds you'll be boxing, you'll be on your ass. And we've seen this with Dillian a couple of times where the tank's empty. Against Parker, he was hanging on. Against Rivas, he was hanging on. And there's also that reminder that Joshua was able to get at him with those, with those uppercuts. Can Fury do that? I don't know. But Dillian's going to hit Tyson. He's going to hit him. And what will Fury do then? Can he still be the same Fury against someone who is harder to read than Wilder? Who's harder to read than Wilder? Who's harder to read than Schwartz? Who are all kind of traditional and quite basic. Whereas Dillian's not. He is unpredictable. And can Fury cope with that? You know, as much as we can say the best version of Fury beats the best version of White, and I think we'd all agree on that. And Dillian's just hoping that he can find that that moment where he's at his best and Fury's not, and he can get him. But it's going to come down to the pace of the fight. If Fury's trained for a high pace fight, Dillian doesn't want to do the twelve. If Fury goes for a slow pace fight, Dillian can happily do the twelve, and he can be nicking the rounds off that jab of his, and his jab's pretty good. The punch Fury's got to watch out for is that big bowling right hand. Because if you remember, he got dropped against Steve Cunningham, who threw one of those right at him. When Fury got lazy and tried to sort of faint the jab and come with the hook, did neither, took a right hand for his troubles. But that's why I think, like, they're the interesting elements of the fight for me. But overall, I think this promotion's been poor. And it's further proof that you can't give Frank these big occasions. He's not... He's not built like that. Frank, Frank is Frank is Wembley Arena. Frank is, I don't know, whatever the arena is, Victoria Warehouse in Manchester. That's what Frank is. Frank, how am I going to word this properly? Frank Warren's Newcastle United, right? As much as you may think you should be in the Champions League and you should be this and you had some glory once upon a time, right now, you're a small club with a big following. And that's how I see Frank Warren. He's Newcastle. I don't know. You can call Eddie Manchester City. You can call him Chelsea. Frank's Newcastle right now. That's what he is. He's Newcastle. And no matter how much money you put into him, it ain't going to work because you're ultimately Newcastle. You're a small club with a big fan base. They've butchered this. They've absolutely butchered the opportunity to build stars this week. We could have had Yard out there. I mean, the whole world's media is here looking. They could have had Yard out there. I mean, they could have had Dennis McCann out there. They could have had Archie Sharp out there. They could have had all of these people out there. They can't even get Kakachi out there. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're having to ring up Echo Esmin and Darren Tetley and go, guys, can you bring it forward a week? Which might not be a bad thing because this is your last week of sparring, so you're definitely sharp. I mean, you're sharp. Anyway, I don't know if you want to be making weight and fighting in this condition, but what can you do? They're both in the same boat. But what an absolute mess. What an absolute 
mess. Like, there were no plan Bs anywhere. The press has been terrible. The PR has been terrible. The one shining light, actually, has been Dev Sarni and John Fury. Like, what a, what, what a double act. I know Dev's learning on the job in terms of, you know, how to keep it going for that long. But I think it's just good having John Fury because you can literally just kick stuff over to John and John will talk for two minutes. But, I mean, I've enjoyed seeing what, you know, I mean, just watching Dev's growth. And I speak as someone who's slightly biased. But I've enjoyed watching his growth. But all the other stuff's been terrible, man. It all looks very um, parish council, doesn't it? Like, you know when they do their little coffee mornings and stuff? And you've got Mavis and Sue and old Derek just running around in the background doing the best they can. That's what you've got here. You've just got a fuck ton of amateurs trying to be big boys. You know, look, think about the media. You've got a guy with a fucking camera and a microphone. No lavalier mics or nothing. And that's what we're used to in boxing. We're just used to this low standard, this low quality nonsense. This fight week's been terrible. Not helped by a bank holiday, but the public workout, shambles. Media, shambles. Can't get the fights in order, shambles. And they've had how long? They've had weeks to prepare for this. To the point where I have very little, I have, I have interest in the result. I have very little interest in the event. Like, I might watch the fight, but I think you already know I'm not going to be there in attendance. Like, what's the point? It doesn't feel like a big fight. This doesn't feel like a real big British fight. And this is why I tweeted earlier. This is the realm for Eddie. Eddie understands these occasions. And he doesn't just look at these as a business, which has sometimes been his downfall. But he looks at them as a fan. You know, we give Eddie a hard time, and I've done it many times. But there are bits of Eddie Hearn that are quite fan-like. And he's like, oh my God, I'm actually doing something at Wembley. This is big, this is huge, this is important. And we don't get any of that here. You know, that matchroom media team, that machine that they have there is so much better than the shit we're getting at the moment. Terrible. It's been terrible, and... I think this is almost a black eye for British boxing. Like, we, we had the biggest event of the year, potentially, and we fumbled it. No matter where they do Usyk Joshua to, just watch the difference in quality. So, no. You know, all those times we wanted Frank to get good, we're happy that he had BT. And then we just realized, Fra Frank, deep down, Frank just wants to do shows in working men's clubs where you're allowed to smoke. And you get that smoke effect over the TV and it's all a bit dark. And it's like watching a, a Commonwealth middleweight title fight from like 1989 or 1990. That's what Frank's capable of. All this other stuff is way over his head. Way over his head. This fight week's been atrocious. Atrocious. Like, it's almost like they just made it up as they went along. Where's the planning? Oh, we're just going to go to Box Park. And do what in Box Park? You got Fury... You got Dillian White. It's the school holidays. You couldn't have just got an arena and said to all the young kids, all the boxing gyms, send your kids down. <laughs> what an absolute shambles. So I'm not looking forward to it, man. Let's just get to Monday and this thing's all over one way or the other. I, yeah, it's soured for me. This is all soured for me. And if anyone decides to stream, fair play to you. You're the smartest people in the room. I see guys selling tickets for 500 quid. <laughs> I wouldn't even buy it off you for 50 right now but look MTK's fallen the house of cards is imploding um, I'm sure we'll be following the story as it develops I am now off to enjoy the sun before I can eat again so you guys take care and I'll speak to you soon bye